Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. Casey Hogan, who is a follower of the show on Twitter and so sweet and wonderful, tweeted at me a couple of weeks ago and said, I would love for you to do a podcast on how to stay informed and also stay sane, because obviously the state of our country right now is a little bit infuriating and and terrifying. And if you spend all day on the Internet like me, it's really hard to stay sane and stay happy and stay positive. And whenever my friends and I talk about that, I read an Instagram post from Ashley Ford, who is one of my favorite writers. And this is what she said about 10 weeks ago. I've taken a break from Facebook and Twitter, though I'll have to return earlier than I thought I would, and I've been reading the kind of books I miss reading. My grandma used to tell me that making room for joy was the secret to a happy life. She said good things, good feelings, and good times can only show up for you if you make space for them. I've been thinking a lot about how to prepare for the worst, how to fight for justice, and how to change the world, and I have also been thinking about my duty to make room for the good times because nobody is meant only to fight. And joy from the margins is radical. I've been reading the books I miss reading because they remind me with each sentence of the kind of girl I used to be and the kind of woman I always wanted to be. I am still making room for her and for joy and for you. So Ashley is joining me today. She lives in Brooklyn and she's a writer, editor and public speaker currently writing a memoir. So Ashley, thanks for coming out today, coming Thank to the studio. Thank you for having me. Thank so, you for having me so much, Sam. Like I said, I go to that Instagram post. I actually couldn't find it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, maybe she deleted it. Never. And then I found it. And so now I have it screenshotted because after the election, when I was in a in a not great place, that really spoke to me of mm-hmm. of the permission to find ways to make yourself stay sane and find yourself ways to be happy. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about where you were when you wrote that and, and what and what the election post-election was like for you. Um, I was home. I'm usually home. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time at home. Um, but I was home. I was, I, I think I was... Um, how long was that post-election? Do you remember? So 10 weeks ago. That's the so, problem with Instagram is it doesn't give you like a time stamp. But I, I remember I remember deciding to read Wonder. Mm-hmm. And I remember deciding to read Wonder because I have always been a person who continued to resonate with my favorite books and my favorite readings from the time I was a child. Um, I still read Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech mm. about once a year. I still read The Giver every once in a while. I like just read The still, Giver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, these were books Reread. that as a kid essentially defined how I saw myself in a world with other people. Right. And not just myself in my own little world. Right. But they impressed upon me the idea that there could come a time in my life where I was called on to do like these great feats of either emotional or physical strength and that I should be prepared for that. You know, mm-hmm. so I <laughs> I think I've quietly and, you know, maybe not so deliberately <laughs> been practicing for, you know, a certain sort of emotional and mental fortitude for a really long time mm-hmm. um, because it was fun, because yeah. reading was fun. Yeah. Um, but I wrote that, I remember, because I I realized pretty quickly that Twitter and Facebook had become, for me, places where, um, even though I, I, 
I never felt like I was addicted to social media or anything like that. Like it was it has always been very easy for me to put my phone down and not pay attention to it if I didn't want to pay attention to it. And suddenly that had reversed. Mm -hmm. It was not easy. Mm -mm. And I it felt like if I'm not looking, something's going to happen and I'm not going to be ready. Mm -hmm. And that fear just stretched out all over me Mm -hmm. and all over everything I did. And it became like, oh, I in a moment, if I was going to laugh, if I was going to read something that wasn't political, it Mm -hmm. was like, how could you in my mind? Right. I mean, it's that I start my day now on Twitter. And that's also we should say how I discovered you. You have a, Mm -hmm. a pretty impressive Twitter following and you're a very influential person in my circles of people I follow on Twitter. And, and I often will, I have feeds that I'll go to instead of just looking at the big feed. I found I can't do that anymore. No. I have to go to the people I trust and, and see what they've kind of distilled for me. And you are one of those people. Um, but I found that I would, it would make me feel guilty for the rest of the day that mm-hmm. if I had a nice sandwich for lunch, I was like, well, I can't enjoy this. I, I think about all the ho- other horrible things that are happening. And, and I became a little bit of a downer to have yeah. around. Because <laughs> I think we all did. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's unique to any one person. I think most people, I, I think you became a downer in one of two ways that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are the downers <laughs> who are only downers because even when people try to do something fun, they're still like, so let's talk about the resistance. Right. And <laughs> you're like, all right, we were just trying to. Enjoy brunch. But yeah, maybe we should, you know, and then you have the people who sort of like threw their hands up and we're like, there's literally nothing we can do Mm -hmm. in this new political landscape. And both of them, you know, what I worry about most with people who go to those extremes is burnout Mm -hmm. Um, because you can have apathetic burnout right absolutely and you can also have burnout when you sort of like come in so hard you know with things like resistance which yes we should be resist like that's what i believe Mm -hmm. we should be resisting absolutely um but i also think that we are humans and we have to take care of ourselves and each other but we have to take care of ourselves first to even begin to take care of each other which and, is such an unbelievably meaningful thing to hear and and something that nobody was saying. I, my friends went to the both extremes. One side was, well, what does it even matter? None yeah. of this matters. And the other side was exactly what you said. If we're not talking about the latest horrible thing, then we shouldn't we be talking. talking. About? Yeah. Right. <laughs> then what are we talking about? Right. Is anything real if it's not about this? And, you know, I'd read years ago. Years ago, I'd read this quote from Toni Morrison, which, you know, it would be really impressive if I could repeat verbatim, but I I can't. Um, (laughs) But the gist of it is that racism specifically, Mm -hmm. you know, and not that all of what is happening right now politically is about racism, but it just applies. She um, she was talking about how the function of racism is distraction. Mm-hmm. from the things that actually do change the world. So a racist who doesn't want you in their school because of the color of your skin is also trying to keep you from like, you can't just think about the fact that they don't want you in the school. You have to think about what they're trying to keep you from, which is education, mm-hmm. which is opportunity, which is learning the joy of learning, you know, and how the same thing 
is true for artists and people in the arts, which is that, you know, they want you so angry that you feel like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether or not you write or sing or dance or whatever. All these beautiful things that we put out into the world that remind people of how connected we are, mm-hmm. um, how strong we are. And also... I, I, how important it is to have something that you do that is for you, but the rest of the world can appreciate it. And how awful it would be to admit that the administration has enough power to mean that for the next four years, there is no beautiful writing There's and no beautiful, beautiful art and yeah. nothing beautiful. Like that that they are going to take plenty without needing to take that. Mm-hmm. And to remember then, to make the jump to remember that, if you want to say there will still be beautiful things for the next two years, four years, whatever mm-hmm. your time span is, then that means you have to find, like we full circle, a place for joy. Because yes. art often comes out of, it can come out of pain, it can come out of anger, but there also has to be some sort of joy in creating. There absolutely is. There's joy in creating. There's joy in giving. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody is a writer, dancer, singer, you know, actress, whatever. Some people just have a few extra dollars every month that they could give to an organization that works with kids who want to do those things. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or that works with adults who want to do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's There's still, I feel like, so much room for us every day to do something that is still resistance, that is still opposition, but also gives us joy. Mm -hmm. There is still room for that. And anybody who tells you that resistance requires suffering is somebody who's romanticizing suffering. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't have to suffer, right. <laughs> there's no reason to. Right. It's- now, there may come a time when you do. Mm-hmm. There absolutely may come a time when you do. And you have to decide whether or not you are the kind of person who can suffer for what you believe in. That is absolutely a thing that might come up. We're not there yet. Yeah. Right now, where we are. Thankfully. Thankfully, we're not there yet. Right now, where we are is in a place where there is still so, so, so much space for each and every one of us, for the most part, to create, to give, and to do those things with a full and steady and, you know, heart that isn't suffering. <laughs> and you speak as eloquently as you write, which should be said. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, so I want to try to answer Casey and so many people's question, which is the mm-hmm. idea of how do you balance staying really informed, but also staying grounded, ma- uh, prioritizing self-care. And I want to talk to you about your routine. Maybe we can do pre-election, post-election, mm-hmm. because you are someone, like we said, who spends all day on the internet, who needs to be informed, who needs to be able to stay in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you have to change the way your day looks once the once Twitter and Facebook became just a deluge of, it I, just gets worse. <laughs> like, what fresh hell will today bring? That's what it feels like every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've uh, started a daily meditation practice okay. in the mornings. And it's the first thing I do in the morning before I read my emails, before I go on social media mm-hmm. or anything like that. It is a personal goal mm-hmm. of mine. And it's something that I found just really helps me put things in perspective. Um, I also frequently when I start feeling overwhelmed or anxious or angry to the point of like 
feeling out of control or mm-hmm. shake. You know, I also I have anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So I'm always sort of monitoring my mental state. And when it starts to feel out of control or when I start being like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sad and I don't know why I'm so sad. It's like, just log off. Yeah. Hey, Ashley, what if you logged off? Yeah. And so I do. And I think I think the way my routine with social media is different now than it was before is that now there's just a lot more intention and a lot more thoughtfulness. There is a lot more stopping and going can I be on Facebook right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I be on Twitter right now? Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that I can do right now that isn't going to mess with me emotionally and mentally in a way that I will then have to recover from? Mm-hmm. Post-election, I spent a lot of time playing this game of, you know, information overload, 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 and then it would be something where I posted an Instagram post saying I'm taking a break from Twitter and Facebook. And it would have to be a days or weeks long break to recover from what I was doing before. And then I'd, you know, come back and I'd do it again. I would overload, 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 and then I would take a break. And now I'm finally figuring out this balance of blocking liberally. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, a great feeling. Oh, yeah. No, I block it like it's hot. I don't- <laughs> I don't care. If they got to go, they got to go. Um, I block liberally. I really use the list function a lot now mm-hmm. um, to check people out or to just see the people I want to see. Um, I've unfollowed a lot of people on Facebook. I no longer, I no longer for them, like, I rarely, you know what, let me not lie. I rarely engage anymore in any sort of like a Facebook argument. Right. You know, when I see something. Once in a while, it, it hits a but good place. But every once in a while, it's just like. <laughs> it's too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> you know, like a conservative dude who sort of like posts a meme on my like best friend's like update about something that she's talking about her political opinions, which she was a history teacher. Right. And she's incredibly, incredibly edu- well educated. And like her opinions are never just opinions. She right. always has evidence and facts to back up anything she right. says. And this guy posts this meme of something and like with Leonardo DiCaprio, the thumbs up. And I'm like, Leonardo DiCaprio is a climate change activist. I, yeah. You know, like wrong move. And I said that and then I was like, I shouldn't have said anything. You know, like I just shouldn't have because it's we have to be so careful right now about our energy and I'm not talking about that in the super woo-woo way, which is like the energy around us. <laughs> but I mean it in the way of like actual literal energy. When I talk about energy, I'm talking about energy that is finite. We only get so much every day. And if you're really invested in the idea of resistance and of doing a little something every day to get the point across to this current administration that, you know, this is going to be maybe a tougher fight (laughs) than you banked on. Right. Um, Then you really cannot afford to spend too much of your energy fighting jerks on the Internet. And and when I say jerks, I'm not talking about people who disagree with me. Right. Tons of people disagree with me. I frequently disagree with myself. Right. Okay. But I'm talking about people who are almost incapable of having a reasonable conversation or being open to the idea that their minds could change. 
And when you challenge them respectfully, Mm -hmm. reasonably, their reaction is to either mock you or get so unreasonably angry Mm -hmm. that you're what like what just happened? Right. You know, those jerks are not worth your time. That's and which is a really wonderful thing to realize is that you you're allowed to not talk to people who mean nothing to you. You are absolutely allowed. <laughs> Permission granted right now by Ashley and Sam. Absolutely. Stop talking to people that are garbage. If Listen, if they don't love you or pay you, their opinions <laughs> aren't worth much, yeah. to be perfectly honest. So here's what I've started doing, and I, I want your opinion on it, which is that I used I was starting my day, like I said, First thing was Twitter. Don't which, do that. Which, right. Which we know is bad <laughs> as it is. But I, I work in media, so I'm on the internet. Right. And it and it was like my first, I get to work at 10 by 1130. All I've done is work myself up into, yesterday it was, I'm so unbearably sad and scared. And yeah. in my head I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm informed, sure. Talking about the question we're talking about today. Am I saying no? Because I'm just terrified. So... Would it have made a difference, and I tried it today and it felt a lot better, if I would have waited until 1 o'clock to, nope. to, like, see what's going on? No. But it's more of I got these emails that are saying, okay, here's your action. Here's what happened today. Now here's who you can call. And I was like, this feels so much better than me just working myself up into getting unbearably scared. It's so much better. And I will have to recommend that there are so many newsletters out there right now for people who are freaking the hell out and want to stay informed. These newsletters will come to you at the end of the day, say, here are the things that went down today. Because realistically, if AP breaks some news on Twitter, you being the first to see it, I'm this is my opinion. You being the first person to see that breaking news on Twitter doesn't change the breaking news. Nope. Nor is there anything you can do in the following five minutes when Washington Post says it, The Hill says it, New York Times says it. Like, then everyone's going to break it. It's still going to be horrible. Still nothing you can do. Yep. What you can do is wait till the end of your day when the newsletter comes or when the action starts to come through, when everyone sort of starts to get themselves back in order and starts to say, here's the senator you call. Here's the petition you sign. Here's the rally that's happening. Here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like something does that sound reasonable? Yes. One of the first things I did um, after the election was sign up for newsletters that it made sense for me to sign up for. Mm-hmm. One of them being um, the Quartz Daily newsletter, which I actually find incredibly, incredibly helpful. Um, but I signed up for those. I'm lucky that I had some friends who um, are organizers and who, you know, are really amazing, who have been sending out emails and mm-hmm. they, you know, so I just wait for those. And I see that because I'm on the Internet so much, I see the news. Um, I'm really, really picky about what I respond to immediately. Mm-hmm. Some things I respond to immediately because it's just, it, it wells up. Mm-hmm. I can't hold it in. I have to say something. Mm-hmm. But I'm, again, trying to just be so much more intentional about my actions and reactions. Mm-hmm. I think being intentional about our reactions is almost as important because mm-hmm. – I just I don't want to become a person who reacts out of anger because that is, you know, what I see the person who is essentially supposed to be the leader of my country doing. Hmm. I don't want to be more like him. I don't think you need monsters to fight monsters. I think that you need to remember why you're not a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reasons that you've decided to not be a monster, 
I think are not just the difference between you and this other person, but they are also your strengths. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. you've got to hone in on those. And Absolutely. you've got to, you know, just, I don't know. And the moral of the story is you're going to know what's going on. Yes. It, the, either way. <laughs> you're going to know what's going on, whether you are the first person to hear about it at 9 a.m. or your best friend tells you at 2.30. Yes. You absolutely. will know what's going on. I no longer feel like I need to be the one delivering the news. You, like, I you just don't, don't have to be, Sam. I'm like, you let me know. I'm going to be upset no matter what. Right. I don't want to be the first one to know. <laughs> like, not and I don't want to be the first one to know. I don't want to ignore it. Right. But I don't need to be I don't need to be the one to see the first tweet that no. goes out about the horrible thing. And this is and this is something that people have to understand too. This is all new. This you if you did not work in media and I mean like really work in media right. 10 years ago, you would not be privy to these things happening as fast as we are so now. So that's what I think is, and is so crazy much of it. that we have so much more access Yes. To this administration. For me, I'm 25. This is the first I I lived with Obama for eight years and I felt mm-hmm. like I like to know what's going on. I like to watch him. He's doing great things. This is the first time I've been in an administration where I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? I didn't yeah. know this could happen. Wait, the, the cabinet. What? Wait, we can watch the Senate hearings. This is the first time I've been right. so awake and aware. And even my parents are saying we would have never known. It would have taken a week to know who what who was up for cabinet and who was up for right. whatever. Like never. And I was like, "What is Twitter? Stop telling me about tweets. What do you mean Twitter?" Right. <laughs> like she's like, "Why are you on this Twitter if it's making you so upset?" I'm like, right. "You don't understand. I'm a journalist." Right. But I mean, even my mother, who is not on the internet at all. I mean, yeah. she's kind of on Facebook, but like. Even then, not really. But like my my parents are on Facebook for like the funny animal yeah. photos and things like that. Like right. my mom's not really. Every once in a while, she'll post something super political, and I'm like, yes, mom. But it's rare, and you know, she doesn't. You know, it's a private page. She doesn't have like a bunch of friends or anything on her page. Like it's just it's sort of like a space where she, really she can see what her kids are doing. Mm-hmm. But even my mother, you know, basically had told me yesterday that. She has to turn off the news a lot more now. Yeah. Like she just has to turn it off. Yeah. Because she's not on the internet, but she does watch the news a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and my mom watches all the news channels for the most part. She compares everything. She mm-hmm. watches all of it. And she has gotten to a point where she's like, well, now I just record my favorite shows. And during the day when I'm usually watching the news, I just cha- I just have to stop and I'll just be like, OK, now I'm going to watch House Hunters. Right. You know, or no something one like, was meant to no one. We were never meant to see this much this quickly all, all at, at once. once. There it is. Yes. That felt great Best that friendship. we just said that at the same time. Best friendship. That's um, how that goes. We were talking about something before we started recording and mm-hmm. it was cooking. Yeah. And you said that. And I think this is a really good point that. You are someone who has who reading, which is a hobby for many of us, writing is an escape for any, many of us, became more like work. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't as good. It wasn't a great method for getting re-energized. And, and I can relate that I, I read and write a lot for work. So reading becomes uses the same parts of your brain. It's not as as re-energizing, which I just said. Talk to me about cooking. Cooking is. A beautiful thing. I love, love, love to cook. I started cooking with my grandmother when I was a little kid. And, you know, just in the past, I would say, three or four years, 
Have I been able to cook the way I wanted to because I had the right dishes and tools and things like that? You need all the stuff. You need all the stuff. And, you know, I didn't really when I first started cooking, I didn't. Um, well, cooking as an adult, I really didn't have those things, but I happened to move in with um, my good friend Eric, and Eric is such a foodie, and he, when we were in college, he taught me how to make pasta, and he taught me how to make, like, a flourless chocolate cake, and, you know, good cocktails and things that, like, he taught me how to do all those things, because he's just this amazing, you know, like, cook, and he's this amazing guy. And then I moved in with him when I moved to Indianapolis when I was around 25 years old. And he, uh, for Christmases, for the past several years, he had always asked for kitchen things. So his kitchen was was amazing. Stocked. So I was able to start and he, you know, was totally fine with me using his things. So I started cooking there and I just I started playing, you know, and I think that that's what I've sort of, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit of it back with writing um, and also a little bit back with reading. But for a while, there was not much play mm-hmm. in reading and writing for right. me. Cooking is so playful. Cooking, it, you can get an idea on the spot and be like, I just know, like, that sounds good. I'm just going to try it. You know, um, my boyfriend is basically a garbage disposal. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's had a really odd background being both like, like he's like half redneck half like super bougie la art scene kid (laughs) right so he's had really amazing meals and he's had like biscuits and gravy for a week you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and he likes both so you can just make all sorts of things i make pizzas i make pastas i like i make things up all the time and they're good and i like them and i'm starting to realize that you know i have sort of a knack for like building a flavor profile you Mm -hmm. know and that's like it's just it's such a beautiful feeling to like play and have it come out well or when it does come out well it doesn't matter really no, it's, that much as long as you don't burn it or it's not it doesn't have salmonella right someone will, you know nobody got food poisoning yeah it's you know? so wet so but i like it i like doing something with my hands i like doing something that i can completely lose myself in and that's what cooking and baking really has given me is the opportunity you know for an hour a day you know or longer depending on what i'm doing i can just lose myself and cookbooks have become this beautiful thing like this beautiful new introduction to a completely different kind of literature mm-hmm. and i do think cookbooks are literature and absolutely lot of ways. and it, you know it, it just it has offered me a space it has offered me a place to escape and to still be creative which has always sparked me and in a day when you might not have time to cook or you might not have time to meditate, how do you how do you stay centered and still find that similar escape? Or do um, you find time every day? I do not find time every day. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't find time Just because I find that some of the harder days are the days that I don't get time to. I'm a right. reader and I do calligraphy. And if I don't right. have time to do calligraphy, if I got home the other night at 8 o'clock, fell asleep on my couch, woke up at 6 a.m. and didn't know where I was. Right. <laughs> I was like, all right, I had no time to do any of my things that I right. do to keep myself sane. Like, great. Um, but the days that I don't get to do that, I feel noticeably more, a little more on edge. Yeah. So, so what do you do in that sense? Oh, man, I have so many things I do. I'll take a bath and watch um, and then set my laptop 
on a chair in the bathroom and watch Golden Girls while I'm in like a really hot bath. I will sit and talk to my boyfriend about whatever mm-hmm. for however long and we'll just like drink wine and talk and that feels amazing. You know, the other day, um, something I did that made me feel really great was I ordered just like enough lo mein to explode and <laughs> like watched Rugrats on Hulu and it was the best. That sounds like, so it good. It was <laughs> one of the most relaxing things. Like I was so happy. Right. By the time I turned off Rugrats, I was so happy. Yeah. And I was just like, man, nobody, nobody could keep Tommy Pickles down, so mm-hmm. they can't keep me down either. Yeah. You know, Tommy Pickles is like the main baby on Rugrats. I think I, I, if you don't know that. who Tommy Pickles is and you're listening, I don't know. I don't know. Kids today, call me. You know, <laughs> That's a problem. Good lord. But yeah, I just I do to be perfectly honest, I'm gonna just be real with you. I do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I I really, really, really value my mental and emotional health. It is at the top of things for me. Well, it's up there with my physical health, to mm-hmm. be honest, though I am less good at being on top of that. <laughs> yeah. But I have put my mental and emotional health on like this pedestal. Uh-huh. And I cater to my mental and emotional health. I cater to myself in that way. And I do it because I am the best equipped to do it. You that's, know? I, that's so true. Um, I went to see Roxane Gay speak the other night when she was here. Yeah. She spoke about her new book, Difficult Women. And I found her to be really similar to how talking to you is right now. Really positive, really hopeful, really mm-hmm. funny, really interesting. She went she wanted to talk about politics as much as she went on 15 minutes about Channing Tatum. And it was oh, yeah. like a great balance of wonderful things. So I found myself going to her feed a fair amount to find that sort of balance of she'll tell you about something wonderful that's going on with her writing and she can comment and she can kind of balance both. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you have people that you turn to everyday writers or or anyone that you you find similar inspiration from. Uh Roxanne. <laughs> She's really good. Roxanne, She's for sure. Really, really good. Um there is a writer. She is um, I can't remember if she's an editor at large or if she's just um, or if she's like on staff um, full time. But Mickey Halpin at okay. Lenny Letter does mm. so much. She actually I just posted recently um, from her tiny letter where it, like that was entitled You Can't Do It All. <laughs> I think I get that. Yeah. But it was a beautiful it was a beautiful letter yeah. that basically told people, hey, you know, instead of trying to do everything or go to every march, why don't you do this? Lead one thing. I got that. Follow one thing. Yes. Lead one thing, follow one thing, and change one change habit. One, yes. One habit. One yeah. habit. I Yeah, we got the same. That, yeah, I got no, that too. I love it. I'm but sitting here like trying to be Ashley for those because this is not a visual podcast, <laughs> no. so you can't see it. But I'm sitting here like, yeah, Ashley, I get it too. No. Me too. <laughs> no, That's I don't true. think it's like, I think yeah. it's just, I, we are definitely on the same wavelength, which does not surprise me because you're smart and, you know, like compassionate and empathetic. And I think when you are those things and you are a woman, you know, doing the kind of work we do, it's, <laughs> it's like there are some things we're just going to. We're going to cross paths Yeah, where like those streams are going to cross and it's going to be amazing. We're going to save the world. Um, but yeah, I love them. I love following anything from um, Jamil Smith from mm-hmm. MTV. Um, who else? Who? I follow else? Ashley Ford. Follow me. <laughs> I smash fizzle. Um, 
I saw when I told someone I was my coworker I was going. I was like, oh, I'm having Ashley Ford on the podcast day. She goes, oh, it's um, smash, smash up, smash, smash fizz, smash smash, fizz. smash icicle. I was yeah. like. Smash Fizzle, yes, that's how she was like. I know her. I was like, yeah, I'm talking to her today. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of famous. By Smash Fizzle is such a weird, has become such a weird thing. Where does for that me. can? Where does that come from? I've always wanted to ask. Um, I was, you know, when Twitter became a thing, I was in college. I believe maybe my junior year of college, uh-huh. and I had two nicknames in college from my friends. One was um, my friend Amanda Estes called me Smashly. And then my friend Andrew Clark called me Fizzle. And so when it asked me for my name, I was like, oh, also like iPhones and iPads and, you know, all of that stuff was happening. And it was all like the I, yeah, you know, whatever. The I age. Oh, my God. This is so dumb. But it's true. So I was like, I, I smash Fizzle. Yeah. You know, whatever. And that was just it. Like, that was how I came up with I've the name. I've always wanted to know. That is how I came up with the name. They were just like... I, as a kid, I always wanted nicknames, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually, now I have like this really weird quirk where I give people nicknames mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Like almost everybody in my life has a nickname from me that's just like, it's like when I'm like, oh yeah, well Bambi and I, and people will be like, okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> because who is Bambi? Is that a real name? And Bambi is actually a dude named JD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for me. But I have these reasons and I come up with these nicknames and Smash Fizzle where I finally had nicknames and I was just over eager. And you just needed to document it forever. I wanted to document it. I did not realize that it would be I was documenting it forever in such a as part of like, you know, a branding effort. Uh, Right. There's no branding effort. (laughs) Right. It's just Smash Fizzle Inc. It's just that's what it is. That's just what happened. So I'm just I just thought of this only because I remember getting my first Twitter account. I was a freshman in college Mm -hmm. and they made us get it for journalism school. And I just thought I've probably said it on this show before. This Twitter is so dumb. No one's going to ever use this. Why does anyone care what I have to say in like two sentences? This is so stupid. (laughs) Flash forward. And I'm like on Twitter every day until my eyes bleed. Right. (laughs) Okay, but if you had a choice and we could live in the world that our parents know where we don't have all this instant access to the administration or we live where we are now, where we have all the access that we do, which would you choose? I, you know, I'm going to go with access. I tend to think that we like, I tend to think that while it may affect us negatively, I think sometimes to have so much access, it has also made us uniquely suited to deal with something like the incoming or not the incoming, but the current administration. I know. <laughs> I know it's hard for me too. see. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in denial. Yeah. That's what I mean. The future. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, I think we're uniquely suited to deal with this thing in ways that our parents are not. I think we are a generation of people who are more informed um, than generations before. I think that that has had some negative consequences because I think there are people who have exploited the fact that some people are not as um, literate about what makes news legitimate or not. But I also think that we are such an innovative generation that it's only going to be so much time before someone comes up with the answer for that. Like, I really do. I really do think that 
people are working on that right now. And not just because it's the right thing to do, but also because it's going to make somebody a lot of money. Yeah. You know, the person who can like make it really easy to know whether or not like a news source has like good sources and is a legitimate thing. They're going to make money. Like they are. We need that. They are. And I think that when that happens, it won't be like some huge turn of the tides, but it will be helpful. And I just think there are going to be more and more things that happen that are helpful because this is a generation of innovators. Like this is a generation of creators. People want to make things mm-hmm. in this generation. People act like we're just consumers. And that is not no, the case. Not we are makers. Totally. And I think that when you have a generation of makers, especially makers who, you know, want to solve problems Mm -hmm. that you know affect things like you know propaganda or fake news or whatever then you're not even just going to have one answer you're not even just going to have one thing you're going to have your pick Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're going to have your pick of like which one like which apps colors do you like more (laughs) like that's what's going to happen and you're going to be overwhelmed by your options to figure out what is real and what is not and my feed where I'm looking at people from my class and my fellow, you know, my peers and my fellow coworkers, those are the best people to look to ever mm-hmm. because I know that the bubble does the bad things. But in, in some cases, it just feels really good to look around and sometimes it feels good to get in the bubble and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to go find people that I know feel the same way and find support there yeah. and look for the creators and the writers and the people who love the same things I love. And I'm just going to yes. sit in this bubble for like 20 minutes <laughs> I'll be out later, but I'm just going to bubble up and then I'll be back. Yeah. And And to just know you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's important. Like people talk about like bubbles. It's like, no, 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 no. What they're actually talking about is community. Right. I know. (laughs) Like the assumption is not (laughs) that you have decided to be someplace where you are safe from anything that's different from you. Right. Um, Which doesn't make sense. Who the hell moves to New York to be around? Right. New York isn't a bubble. It's the most unbelievable. But they'll tell you it's a bubble. (laughs) Like we're in the bubble because we decided (laughs) because we decided to live among, you know, like many different cultures. I'm in a bubble. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Okay. But but, you know, coming from Indiana, like I already have issues with the bubble thing because, you know, I'm a black queer woman who only left Indiana two and a half years ago. I haven't even lived in New York for three years yet. Me either. Okay, Yeah, I know people. And which is why when people are like a New York writer and I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Slow your roll. But still coming from Indiana, what I remember growing up of my childhood is that when I was young, There were absolutely white people, many white people who I went to school with, who lived in the neighborhood I lived in and everything. But they slowly and deliberately started to leave and move out into more of the country or move up north where the houses were a little more expensive and the neighborhoods were all white, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. but I saw that my whole life, and it, it it just it does not make sense to me that people would continue to perpetuate this idea that living on a coast or living in a big city means you're in a bubble. When I lived in like a city in Indiana mm-hmm. for most of my life, and let me tell you, I was not the one looking for a bubble. Mm-hmm. 
It was the people who claim now that I live in a bubble. <laughs> That's so interesting. Who were looking for their own bubbles. I actually never, so. I never thought about it that way. I mean, I lived in a suburb of Cleveland that was very much a bubble. I mean, I lived around people that were all very similar to me. I'm Jewish and synagogue, every corner had a synagogue. Right. It was like, you can pick which synagogue you want to go to today because <laughs> right. we have 75 billion for you. Right. And, um, so coming to New York actually felt pretty similar. Right. <laughs> You're like, so oh, this is great. Coming to New York, I was Just like, like so, home. Yeah, it really was. I'm like, oh, we have that at home too. Like Emmanuel, yeah. We have very, very few like integration of Jewish communities with um or Jewish communities that integrate with like the rest of the communities in Indiana. So, you know, I spent years not knowing a person who identified as Jewish. I didn't meet a person. I don't think I met a person who identified as Jewish until I was in high school. And it was just this kid, Ben, whose dad (laughs) was classic Ben, classic Ben, classic, whose dad was like a heart surgeon or something like that. And he was the only Jewish person, Jewish, Jewish person I knew until I went to college. So it was, you know, when I always talk about coming to New York, like the thing about New York for me was meeting Miriam's. Yeah. I had never met anyone named Miriam. <laughs> That's so funny. Until I came to New York. And now I've got like three Miriam's. Yeah. New York is known for its Miriam's. Yeah. And its bagels. Oh, yeah. Um. So the thread I'm hearing today, and Casey, if you're listening, I hope this answers your question, is there are a couple things that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. One is no guilt, no guilt in terms of you do what you do to make you f- yourself feel good and put yourself first. Mm-hmm. Number two is... Find people you trust to stay informed. Mm -hmm. And number three is be active. And sometimes being informed, being active feels better than just being informed. And if you can call one representative, if you can go to one march, if you can donate one dollar, you'll find that you feel a little bit better than had you just read 75 headlines. Does that sound fair? Absolutely. And then keep doing it. Yeah, right. Exactly. You remain vigilant, but you also remain reasonable yeah about being a human right and you don't push yourself like this is we are not at a place yet where we need to start pushing ourselves to limits like we're just not there yet and that's what i think it because they, what, like what we said there's so much information readily available we're forgetting that it's like day six yeah and like there's going to be a lot more days ahead so yes. like gear up because yes. you can't waste you can't be all blown out on day six like where are you going to be on day 355 this is long haul and you know when i said that i was you know making space for other people i meant it because making space for other people also means avoiding burnout Mm -hmm. if i'm making space for you that also means i'm pacing myself Mm -hmm. i'm making sure that like i'm getting myself every day to a place where maybe i can go a little longer maybe i can go a little harder but I am not on day six trying to figure out how hard I can go. Yeah. We're just, we're not there yet. And we need as many people as possible to stick around for this thing. It's a long haul. Totally. It's a long, long haul. And we're going to need everybody who can and wants to resist to do so. Absolutely. And I would love for people who are listening to tweet at me at Samzabel, tell me what you did today after listening to this podcast. Tell me what you plan to do tomorrow. Tell me what actions you're taking this week to help yourself feel a little more in control and a little bit saner. And thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. I have been a fan of Ashley's for a very long time. So meeting her in person today will keep me sane for the week. This (laughs) is so great.
It was so great to meet you finally in person. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Um, Ashley, tell people where you are. Just remind them where you are on the internet because everyone should follow her. On Twitter, I'm at iSmashFizzle. On Instagram, I'm at SmashFizzle. And then on Tumblr, I'm also at SmashFizzle. And all of this is on my website at AshleyC4.com. All right. Go find her. Take some action. And take care of yourself this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. I'd like to thank our producer, Jordan Bell. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>